You are listening to the Sermons Podcast of First Baptist Church, Mount Washington. Uh, During this Easter service, we're so glad that that you're here. We've been studying Paul's letter to uh, Rome, the Christians in Rome, a book called Romans, uh, immediately following the four Gospels, uh, or after Acts as well. Uh, But we've been studying it verse by verse. Uh, together for uh, several months now, and uh, we've come to the end of chapter 4, which is a a climax, uh, so to speak. We've called this the heart of the gospel here in in these first four chapters, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so you've come at a good time today. If you haven't been with us, uh, this is a a summary, if you will, of what Paul has been saying in the first four chapters of, of of Romans. Uh, kind of a summary of the good news. And uh, if we turn that into a question, we might say that that the gospel, the good news, is the answer to the question, how can one be made right with God? Uh, How can you know that your sins have been forgiven? How can you face uh, death uh, without fear? How can you be hopeful even in a world that seems like it's coming apart at, at, at the seams. Uh, this is the most important question of life. It's the most important question for my life, for your life, for your kids, your grandkids, uh, everyone's life. Uh, how can I be made right with God? And uh, what a great grace of God that you and I are here today to hear uh, God's answer to this question. Listen to his word, God's word, Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, and who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Lord, we pray now that as we have engaged our hearts and our our minds and our lips and singing and praying and worshiping you this morning, that in these moments we might be still and know that you're God and hear your word, what you would have to say to us. And may we hear it, and hear it not just with our ears, but with our minds and hearts, that we would be changed. I pray that you would use me as your servant today. I pray that you would increase and I would decrease and your word would go forth. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. How can a person be made right with God. I want you to think about that for a moment. I'm aware that in asking that question, uh, I am presupposing that a person, in fact, can be wrong with God. And that is not my opinion. That is uh, the truth proclaimed by the Bible. And it's the beginning part of of really the the most important part or the the starting place, at least, for becoming right with God. It's recognizing the fact that you may not be right with God. Uh, You notice the word trespasses 
that Paul uses in verse 25 of the text we just read. The word trespasses is referring to our sin against God. And to summarize what Paul has been uh, laboring to tell us for the first three chapters of Romans, uh, to help us to understand, in fact, that the beginning place is that we are not right with Him. Uh, Listen to some of the verses of what Paul has already said. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Uh, Romans chapter 2 Verses 6 through 8, he, that is God, will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. And in case you're doubting maybe which category that you are or that you have been, Romans 3, chapters 10 through 12 and verse 23 say this, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And then the Conclusion statement, verse 23, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, you may or may not have thought about that very much, but you should, because it is the greatest problem uh, in our lives. The the fact of our sin, and that we're not right with, with God, and therefore our greatest need is to be made right, or to be made righteous before Him. Hear the urgency of this in love. This is from a preacher many years ago named Barnhouse. He says this, there is, there's not one promise in all the Bible for an unsaved person. There's not one line that can be a comfort to a Hindu, a Muslim, an unsaved Baptist, or Roman Catholic, or to anyone else of whatever religion. There's not one promise to an unsaved person in the Bible. That, that's, there, there is an offer of salvation, but that's different than a promise. Not one promise. If I could add just one caveat to that, if there is any so-called promise to an unsaved person, it's this, that those who remain in unrepentant sin will face the certain judgment of God. That is what the Bible says over and over and over again. That he will judge those who are not right with him. There is a day coming in which we will have to answer to God. There, uh, maybe uh, you're hoping that that day won't come. Uh, maybe you're hoping that God will grade on a curve. Uh, maybe you're banking on yourself, on you being your own savior, that... Uh, 
With another, enough good works, you'll be able to, to, to kind of make the turn. Maybe you're thinking that God's just going to, in the end, overlook everybody's sins and just let everybody into heaven and pretend like nothing ha- happened uh, here in this life. The, the ultimate question really is important. How will you be made right with God? What do you believe? For us as Christians, we find the answer to that in the Word of God, the Bible. And Paul has even said this back up in our text, verse 3 of chapter 4. He says, for what does the Scripture say? What does the Bible say about this? And he says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. How do we know the truth about these things? How do we know the truth about God, the truth about ourselves, the truth about salvation? One thing is for certain, it does not start with our subjective opinions or feelings. It does not start with uh, your own personal uh, experiences. It starts with God himself as he has revealed himself in his word, the scriptures. Notice Paul repeats this in our text today in verse 22. He says, this is why faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, he repeats it, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. What is he saying? He's saying the only sure foundation for truth, for hope, for salvation, for life is the word of God. What has been written? These words in the Bible were written for us, and they're written to, so that we could know the answer to life's most important questions, and especially how can one be made right with God. Now, notice also in this, verse 22, the emphasis on faith. This is why it says, his, that is Abraham's faith, was counted to him as righteousness. To be counted righteous or right before God comes through faith, the Bible says. Faith. That's a shocking answer to, to some people today. How is one made right with God? By faith. It's shocking because in, uh, in our modern minds, perhaps we think to ourselves, okay, yeah, that's it, faith. Um, you know, just close your eyes and take a deep breath and just leap off into the darkness and pray that Jesus is going to save you somehow. But that's not the position of the Bible, as Sproul notes. That's not the kind of faith Paul is talking about. Jesus never calls anybody to jump out into the darkness. He calls people to jump into the light. The light of His truth. The light of His Word. He never asks us to crucify our intellect to become Christians. Faith is not believing the absurd or believing the foolish. Faith is ultimately trusting what is preeminently trustworthy and sure. What must you believe in order to be made right with God? If this is about faith and belief, what exactly does he tell us here that we must believe? What is the content of this gospel that we're to believe in order to be made right with God? Paul lists four things there in the text. First, he says, you must believe in God who raised Jesus. 
And he says it a couple of times so that we, we get it. Verse 22, this is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And verse 24, it will be counted to us who believe in him, that is God, who raised from the dead Jesus. So he says it twice. One time he says faith. The other time he says believe. It's the same thing. Salvation will be counted to the one who believes in God, who raised Jesus from the dead. The faith that Paul mentions is specific. It's not a faith in yourself. It's not a faith in your good works. It's not faith in faith. He says it's faith in God. A faith that believes his word. Lloyd-Jones writes this, Everything starts with God. Everything must end with God. All the work of the Lord Jesus Christ is designed to bring us to God, to reconcile us to God. This is the starting point of true faith. This is the starting point of all Christianity. It does not start with me and my subjective states and feelings, but with God. It was counted to us, salvation was counted to us who believe in Him, God, who raised from the dead Jesus. It's interesting, Paul also says, he highlights the fact that we must not just believe in God, but believe in God who raised Jesus from the dead. Why does he say that? Why is that important? I think for a couple of reasons. Uh, First of all, it's not just belief in God in general that saves us. Uh, We might note today that a Jewish person believes in God. Have you talked to a Muslim person? They believe in God. But it does not make them right with God. According to Christianity, according to the Bible, Paul wants us to make certain that we understand that our faith is and must be tied to Jesus Christ and Him resurrected. A specific kind of a faith. The only way we're to be, we can be reconciled, made right with God, is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus told us this. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father, comes to God, except through me. He says, very specifically. So the faith that's called for here, that Paul is calling for here, is not just a faith in God, a God, any God, a God of your own making, a God of who knows what, but specifically in Jesus Christ, the living Son of God, who he raised from the dead. I think another reason Paul draws attention to this is to highlight what uh, John Piper calls the inconceivable power of God. And here's what's important for us to understand in this. It takes dead-raising power to make a person right with God. Paul has he's already said this uh, back up in verse 17 when he talked about Abraham's faith. Abraham was a character in the Old Testament, Genesis 12 through 25. But he notes how Abraham believed in a God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that are not. Of course, Abraham's focus in that that God was able to give him a son, 
Even in his old age of 100 years old, and his wife, uh, Sarah, was 90, she was barren. It was seemingly impossible. But Paul uses that as an example. Abraham's faith is an example for us. Notice verse 19. He did not weaken in faith when he considered, Abraham considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of his wife, Sarah's womb. And so now, Paul says, we must trust this same God who is able to do these kinds of things. That's important. It's important in our understanding of what makes us right with God to understand that our sins have left us as good as dead spiritually. And to be made right with God, to have salvation counted to us, God must raise us from the dead spiritually. We must believe in God who has inconceivable power to do what you and I can't do on our own, which is to make us live spiritually, to save us. We cannot live a perfect life, but Jesus can and did. We cannot make dead things live again, but He can. We cannot breathe spiritual life, salvation into a person, but praise God, He can. He can. He raises the dead. He calls into existence the things that are not. He has that kind of power, and it takes that kind of power to make a person right with God. So first, you must believe in God who raised Jesus. But secondly, note this, you must believe Jesus is your Lord, that He is your Lord. Notice verse 24 again. It will be counted to us who believe in Him, who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord. Please hear this. This is not an easy believism. This kind of faith requires repentance. It requires a turning away from our sins. It requires submission to Jesus as Lord of your life. It's not that Jesus is not our Savior. That is true. But Paul does not say, believe in Him who raised from the dead Jesus our Savior. He calls attention to the fact that He is our Lord. Our Lord. The reality of the resurrection of Jesus is that God is declaring him Lord of all. He's saying to us on this day, this reminder, this is my son who's raised from the dead, and he is Lord. He is Lord. The resurrection establishes that fact. As Christians, we are not practicing a dead man's way of life. We are not here today celebrating someone who lived a really good life a long time ago, who was a good teacher and uh, who had great morals, and we've come today to emulate him. Uh, no, we come today because he's been raised from the dead. He lives. He is Lord. He's the living Lord. And a true and saving faith, one that makes us right with God, is one that humbles himself, turns from his sin, sets his mind and heart to submitting to Jesus Christ in all things. The proof that God is not counting your sins against you anymore and counting the righteousness of Christ to you is the fact that you do not want to sin anymore. You don't want to. 
but you want to follow Jesus in all things. So when we talk about this faith, this belief, we understand that repentance is married to this true faith. It's a part of it. How can a person be made right with God? You must believe in God who raised Jesus from the dead. You must believe Jesus is Lord. We're already going to point three. This is good news. Amen. Third, you must believe he was delivered up for your sins. What kind of faith makes a person right with God? This is a part of it. Verse 25. This Jesus who is Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses. This is referring, obviously, to the cross of Jesus Christ. Notice Paul could have said here, Jesus died for our sins. That would have been right. But he says very specifically, he was delivered up for them. He was delivered up for them. What does he mean by that? Who delivered Jesus up and why? I think, again, he's... communicating to us some important things. First of all, he's pointing out the fact that it was God who sent Jesus to the cross. Paul will clarify this a little bit later in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, when he says, He who did not spare his own son, talking about God, did not spare his own son, but gave him up. God gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This reminds us that Jesus' death was not an accident. This was a part of a plan of God, and thank goodness it was. God handed Jesus to be over to be put to death. He delivered him. Why? Here's the second truth for our trespasses. For our trespasses. The word trespasses means our sin, our rebellion against God, our disobedience. So think of what is being said here. How can one be made right with God? Well, first you have to believe in God who raised Jesus from the dead. You must believe that Jesus is Lord, that He is God's Son. But then we, we have this. If He's God's Son, why did He have to die? He tells us. Because we've sinned against Him. Someone had to pay for our sins. Anyone who's a true Christian understands that this is the only way he or she is forgiven by God. is because Jesus paid it all on the cross. He was delivered up for our sins. He was, as Isaiah said, pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is what Paul means when he speaks of counting, by the way. In verse 8, he said, Blessed is the man whose sins, uh, against whom the Lord will not count his sin." Blessed is that man, and likewise, blessed is the man, verse 22, whose faith is counted to him as righteousness. This can only happen, you see. Salvation can only happen if your sins have been counted to someone else, to Jesus. And Jesus' righteousness has somehow been counted to you. That's what salvation is, and it only happens upon faith. Faith. This is such good news. 
The good news, Sproul writes this, the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to wait until we become perfectly righteous in ourselves before God will consider us and declare us righteous or accept us in his sight as justified people. God makes a provision whereby people who are sinners, while they are still sinners, can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. So that provision is Jesus Christ, and you must believe he was delivered up for your trespasses. Number four, you must believe, you already know this, he was raised from the dead. That's what he says, verse 25, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification, for our salvation. You must believe he was raised for our salvation. You have to believe it. R.A. Torrey notes that the resurrection is proof of several things, that there is a God, and the God of the Bible is the true God, that Jesus was a teacher sent from God, that he was inerrant in his teaching, and he spoke the very words of God, that resurrection proves that Jesus is the Son of God. It proves that there is a judgment coming. It proves that every believer in Christ is justified, saved, forgiven of their sins. That all who are united uh, to Christ by a living faith will live again and that Christians can have victory over sin. Listen to his own testimony. He said, Tory's testimony, my sins have been as high as the mountains. You ever felt that way? My sins have been as high as the mountains. But in light of the resurrection, the atonement that covers them is as deep as heaven. Or high as heaven. My sins have been as deep as the ocean. But in light of the resurrection, the atonement that swallows them up is as deep as eternity. How glorious is that? You must believe Jesus was raised. I was reading, I reminded a little bit ago about uh, Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States. And in the 18th century, the Congress presented him, uh, Jefferson, with a special edition Bible. I don't know if you've heard about this before. Um, but the Bible was special in, in, in this sense, not in a good way, but that every single reference of the supernatural or the miraculous had been removed from the Bible, all of it taken out. You see, Jefferson was one who, whose belief um, was basically in the moral teachings, the ethical teachings of Jesus alone, and not any of the miraculous. The closing words of Jefferson's Bible read this, there they laid Jesus and rolled a great stone at the mouth of the tomb and departed. The end. There's no mention of the resurrection. Can I tell you today, there's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't believe that Jesus has been raised. You have to believe it. You cannot have a true and saving faith if you don't believe in a physical, literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there's no resurrection, then our faith is vain, Paul told the Corinthians, and our preaching is useless. If you don't believe that God can do that miracle, then there's no way you can comprehend the salvation that you so desperately need. 
Steve Lawson writes this, the resurrection validates that God is the God of salvation, that God has raised his son from the dead. A dead savior is no one's savior. A dead savior cannot even save himself. A dead savior has no power to save, but a risen savior has power and eternal life to give to all those who believe in him. It it is the resurrection that demonstrates that God has the power to save. If he has power to raise the son from the dead, he also has power to take our sins away from us and bury them in the sea of his forgetfulness. All of this goes together, you see. This is God's way of making man right with himself. You must believe in God. It begins and ends with him who raised Jesus. You must believe that Jesus is Lord. You must believe that he was delivered over for your sins. And you must believe that he was raised from the dead. That's the content of the gospel. Now listen, later on, Paul's going to make this crystal clear. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, what does it say? Saved. Saved. That is not just one way of salvation. That is the only way of salvation. There is no other way. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe? Do you believe these things? Do you believe Jesus is the living God, the Lord of all? Do you believe in your heart that he was delivered up for your sins on the cross and was raised on the third day? That's the good news of the gospel. And for those who are believing this today, this is a wonderful assurance, isn't it? This is is great news. This is why we gather over and over again to worship, to rejoice in these events that happened 2,000 years ago, to know that we've been made right with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Praise the Lord. He was delivered up for our sins and raised on the third day for our salvation because we would have no other hope in this. What if you don't know these things, though? What if you haven't believed? How do you know if you've been made right with God? Here's the best way to find out. Are you looking, now think about this in your heart, are you looking in any sense to yourself? Are you relying even to the slightest extent on your good works to save you? Are you relying upon your own faith, your own morality, your own good intentions, your own path, your own beliefs, your own works to save you? If so, you are not right with God. But the good news is you can be today. 
What is Paul saying here? A Christian is someone who looks only and entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ and to nothing else. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm Pastor Jason Clark. And if you don't have a church home, I want to personally invite you to First Baptist Mount Washington. We're striving to be word-centered, gospel-focused, and community-minded. Learn more about our church and our meeting times from our website, fbcmw.org.